Hey, this is Evan Bowles. And this is Ryan Hendricks, and you're listening to The Straight Flush, a podcast produced by the Virginia Water Environment Association. Hey, Evan, welcome back to Water Jam. Uh, back in person, 2021, uh, it's been great seeing, you know, while we didn't get to see everybody we probably wanted to, we've seen a lot of faces that we haven't seen in over a year. Um, and we're getting to record some of our podcast episodes right here at Water Jam, which is really exciting. This is something we, we talked about doing. Um, so to be able to record these sessions is great. Um, just to let everybody know out there in the listening, in the listening world, there may be some background noise, right? Um, everybody's talking, everybody's presenting on posters. Um, so, and, and we're here in the thick of it. So there may be some background noise that, that you may not find in some of our other episodes, but, but it, it gives you that water jam feel. So Evan, uh, tell us a little bit about today's episode. Thanks, Ryan. So this year was no different from previous years. We had the opportunity to be visited by uh, our WEF delegate. Uh, to share some information and updates on key initiatives that WEF is looking at this coming year. So uh, this year we were visited by Amy Colleen. She's the Chief Operating Officer with Providence Engineering, and once again, our WEF Board of Trustee member. And uh, she, was, uh, she was interviewed and had a nice discussion with Kevin Wood, uh, Vice President with Dewberry and VWA's WEF Delegate. So I think you'll find this very informative, and uh, let's turn it over to Amy and Kevin. All right, let's go. Good morning. I'm Kevin Wood, the uh, WEF delegate for VWEA, here with Amy Colleen, our WEF representative at our 2021 Water Jam. So welcome, Amy. Good morning. How are you? Great. Um, really appreciate you being at the conference this year and sharing some of the great uh, initiatives and things that are going on at WEF. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to to share with with the masses what uh, what's going on. So what what do you think are the uh, the most important things going on that we should we should be sharing here? So. Obviously, and we've had these discussions, and, and I'm sure everybody's seen information coming from WEF, and I know you guys here in Virginia are talking about it, but DE&I, diversity, equity, inclusion, is a real big priority for WEF um, in 2020, moving through 2021, and even moving forward. Uh, this is this is evergreen. DE&I is something we're going to be working on forever. Um, so just a little bit of background of, of where WEF came from and, and where we're headed um, in 2019, uh, I guess then President Tom Kunitz developed a, a task force for DEI. We kind of realized we needed to take some steps and move forward. Um, so he developed a task force. I believe maybe like 20 plus people were on that task force to go out and figure out how we can, you know, develop the water workforce to be more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. Um, and that task force was. You know, it took about eight to 12 months, came back and had about 50 recommendations for us as an organization of what we could do. Some of those things were super quick and easy, you know, having a room at our, at our events for nursing mothers, having prayer rooms. Absolutely. We can, we can institute those immediately. Some of them were very long term that we're going to have to think through and get help with. So the results of that then, then came to where we as a board, you know, very thoughtfully and intentionally said, hey, look, again, we know this is something, <clears throat> excuse me, that we will be working on forever. 
And so let's let's institute a board committee. This is this is our commitment to this. We will have a standing board committee on DE and I. You know, no different than our nominating committee or our audit committee or our finance committee. It's that important to us. So in 2020, um, we have established a, a standing committee for the board. We are working with the House of Delegates with you guys to have work groups to help support what needs to go on within WEF, within our member associations, as far as furthering DEI efforts. Um, the other thing we've done this year is is developed a policy. Uh, you know, as boards, as organizations, very complicated. We operate on policies and procedures. And we felt it was very important to have a dedicated policy that says, this is what we're going to do within our administrative duties as an organization to make sure that we're being equitable, that we're being inclusive, and that we have intentional purpose to be diverse. So we've done those three things. In addition to that, again, the board, we're engineers, we're scientists, we live in in the wastewater world, um, and we're not specialists in DE&I by any means. So we went out and we've hired a consultant, the Silverine Group, to come in and help us help the House of Delegates further develop what we need to do as an organization to achieve our DE&I goals. And so, Kevin, I know you guys did a survey. I don't know if you want to hit on the results of that. Yeah, that was the uh, – you talked about the the work groups, and I was on the DE&I uh, work group. In fact, I was the um, the – Subgroup one, which was developing the survey, I was I led that effort. And one thing's for sure, there was definitely, you know, part of the survey indicated there was definitely a high degree of focus on DEI. On the other hand, there were a lot of MAs that were looking for guidance, looking for a toolkit, and um, it a lot of it stemmed from the social unrest of 2020. Really, when we did the survey, 75% of those that were focused on DNI had started focusing on it within the last year at that time. So, um, but some of the, some of the things we heard were, you know, the important success factors, if you will, were, you know, you got to get people that are passionate about DNI. You got to have board engagement. Uh, the ones that were successful had, you know, it started at the board level. And then um, YP involvement, the ones that were really gaining momentum had had a involvement from the YPs. So um, those were some of the high level. But there was absolutely a high interest in um, enhancing their DE&I programs. Yeah, and, you know, we also have to keep in mind too when when we talk about DE and I, you know, it, it's it's more than just having diverse ethnicities, diverse skin colors at your you know within your membership. You know, we can be very diverse in ethnicity, but at the end of the day, we're still all engineers and scientists, and we and operators, and we tend to think very similarly. So having people in the water sector that are maybe in communications and, you know, are different brain than us, their, their brains are wired differently is going to be really important moving forward. You know, as an organization, as, as a personality type, we tend to struggle with communication. It's probably why we're in this field. Um, so we need to have those people that have different backgrounds that think differently from us. Yeah. To come in and say, Hey, look, did y'all ever think about this? 
you know, I, I just finished working on the Unleash Hack in Alabama. And to be innovative, the one thing I noticed immediately um, to try to come up with a solution to some of the wastewater problems they have there, I personally can't do that. I've been in this field for 23 years. My brain is wired to think one way for wastewater treatment. You have to take somebody who has no idea about the confines and the regulations to come up with that innovation about, you know, thinking of things totally differently. So again, we need those, those new fresh ideas within, within the organization, within our membership. So again, this is bigger than just making sure we're, we're diverse from an ethnicity standpoint. It's diversity in the way we think and the way we look and in how we approach things so that we can continue to be innovative and lead uh, as a change organization moving into the future. But I, I would say suffice to say there's a, there's a, a lot of focus on it, uh, collecting some good information. I know the way our, our group ended uh, this, this last year was developing the information for the toolkits, and, and now we're working on refining that and getting that out to the MA so they can feel good about you know, having, a, having a template, having things they can use to get that off the ground or enhance their already you know, the program they've already started. Yeah, that's great, and we, we appreciate the help we've been getting from, from the House of Delegates. It's been awesome. Great. Okay, what else is hot? So one of the other things WEF has embarked on this year as a result of, of the pandemic is working with the CDC to start more of a nationwide network of uh, wastewater-based I guess we're calling it disease surveillance, kind of that that epidemiology we've done in the past. You know, this has existed for years and years. Many wastewater treatment systems across the country have done this for things like opioids and other drugs. They test the wastewater to see maybe where they have problems in certain areas. Um, and so we saw this uh, at the start of the pandemic, even well over a year ago, where people started collecting samples within their collection system to maybe see where hotspots are. You know, and you can detect it much sooner than you would test positive. Um, so the CDC and cities and towns and colleges and universities and prisons were all kind of doing this independently of each other. And so the CDC saw the need to have more of a, a managed system where we can look at it together, where we can gather data and, and then use that data to, to make decisions about closures or you know, people going into quarantine. So the CDC is, is working with other federal agencies and working with WEF to establish this nationwide surveillance system. It is really and truly the first government-led wastewater surveillance program in the U.S. And it'll have a network of wastewater facilities. State and local health departments are working with us, laboratories, and we're helping to coordinate that, you know, as a national organization that kind of... Uh, you know, pulls together our, our wastewater utilities across the country. So as WEF, we're kind of supporting the CDC in the development, the dis dissemination of information, and the guidance, best practices, um, making sure that, you know, the people who are collecting the samples are being safe as they do it, kind of establishing those guidelines, you know, helping connect the the uh, sampling with different, you know, entities who can do it, where's the best place to do it, you know, what gives us different information. You know, we're doing it in prisons because that tends to be a very concentrated population. 
and, and what information does that give us in this concentrated population? You know, we're helping to target the frontline waste worker and public health, wastewater workers and public health personnel, giving them training, um, understand the spread of disease in communities, and implement projects to pilot new approaches and technologies moving forward. You know, we see this as something beyond just uh, the current coronavirus pandemic, we see this as something that can be disease-based moving forward for a whole bunch of different things. So that that's one of the big things that WEF has been working on recently, um, you know, and helping provide, you know, working with the CDC to help provide funding to make that testing, you know, come back a whole lot quicker so we can make decisions quicker um, and just making that connection. And, and we feel proud as an organization that we were chosen by the CDC and the federal government to, to help bring all this together. Yeah, what a great uh, use of the the power that WEF can bring to, I mean, we're all about, you know, society and, and making sure everybody's safe, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, we tend to think of WEF as a convener of people, individuals, but also... WEF is a convener of, of, our, of our utilities, of our wastewater facilities, and can not only convene together, but can convene with, with government, with the CDC, and, and pull everybody together to, to get the information that we need. That's exciting. Okay. Well, that's a good segue into the next topic that I was hoping you could hit on, because WEF is always partnering with with various public entities and Talk to us about the bigger picture partnering that WEF is looking at. Sure. So, you know, one of the things we've done over the last couple of years, and I've actually been involved with this and helped develop our partnering strategy, is realizing that the water sector is more than just WEF. It's more than just AWWA and NACWA, our traditional partners. Um, but a lot of industry, a lot of other people, a lot of other entities um, live in the water space and in we have to continue moving forward in order to innovate. You know, we have to continue and look for partnering opportunities with these other groups. Um, most recently, you know, we were approached by the organization that represents a bunch of apparel and, and shoe manufacturers. And they said, hey, look, we love your wastewater treatment fundamentals manual that y'all produced. Is there any way we can get it? translated into Mandarin. That's where most of our, our manufacturing facilities are. You know, nothing that we ever thought of, but it's like, hey, this is a need that that's out there in the world. And absolutely, we can partner with you and, and we can get this translated. So, you know, typically we would only translate those manuals into Spanish. And now we're seeing there's absolutely a need to get them translated into Mandarin, into French for our Canadian members and, and get them translated so that they're usable in, in other, in other spaces and other countries. Um, so things like that, you know, in, in looking at the Googles, the Facebooks, the GEs, the Intel, big consumers of water and where they're moving. And, and, and these entities are very passionate themselves about making sure they're doing what's right for the water environment. Um, so we're looking to develop more partners moving forward, some of those kind of non-traditional partnerships. Um, you know, most of our industries in this country consume large quantities of water every day. They need clean water. They need to put that water back into the environment when they're done with it. So what can we do as an organization to partner with them to, to help them be better stewards of the environment based off of, you know, maybe products and, 
in manuals and stuff we already have, but we just haven't made that connection. So we were now being much more intentional about looking for those partnerships um, and making sure that, you know, they're beneficial for both of us. Uh, what what kind of revenue can we get out of it as an organization? Kind of back to looking for alternative revenue streams to just our conference. Um, so, again, yeah, partnering partnering and intentional partnering outside some of the government and nonprofit. You know, we're looking forward to that moving forward. One could say that's taking inclusion to the next level, too, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Right. What about the uh, – I know you're doing some strategic planning, so tell us about that. Yeah, we just as a board embarked on this at our July board meeting. Um, you know, our strategic plan was – I want to say it was last updated. Maybe in 2018 we made some tweaks to it. The That last overhaul was in 2015. So we know uh, as an organization that's almost 100 years old. Uh, on the bell curve, we're, you know, at the, at the top, maybe kind of on the downslope a little bit. And, and we realize that, that now is the time for change. Now is the time to kind of reinvent our strategic plan. Uh, so we started that in July. And there's kind of four steps that we're going to move through. The assessment phase, where we're looking like, what's the market landscapes of nonprofits right now? Um, we realize if you go online, there's a million nonprofits out there in the water space. So what does that market look like? Um, we're gathering uh, broad stakeholder input. So obviously the House of Delegates, our member associations, our committees, our volunteer leadership are all going to be heavily involved in this process of, of what does WEF look like in, in 2030 and 2040? Where are we moving? Where do we need to move? And how nimble do we continue to need to be? Um, and, and envisioning that future of WEF and what that impact and what it generates. Um, so, you know, we're looking to those things. We absolutely need our, our membership input into that, our partner input into that. We need to know what the general public thinks of that. So we're going to have a lot of outreach um, associated with this strategic plan update. Um, and in order to accomplish that, we're working with, with a consultant to help us with this. Again, you know, as a board, we're engineers, scientists, and operators. Strategic planning and, and doing those things is not our not our traditional forte. forte. <laughs> so we're getting help to do this. And, and this company is helping us develop that plan that has the goals, the strategies, the metrics, what we can do, how we can make sure we're achieving these things. Um, so this is going to be probably a year, year and a half long process. Um, and then, you know, we're hoping that, that this change, this update to our strategic plan begins to activate a shift in the organization, begins to change our culture, uh, to accomplish, you know, our goals, our DE&I goals, our partnering goals, our, you know, working with the CDC, what those goals look like. Uh, so hopefully they can not only help us through this process of updating it, but our plan is to have them help us, you know, develop those metrics that help us ensure we're getting there. Rather than just having a strategic plan, a piece of paper, we don't want a piece of paper that we don't follow through on. So helping us put those business plan metrics in place as well. It'll be interesting to see how COVID affects the strategic planning. Yeah, yeah. We, kind of changes related to COVID. Yeah, and, and I want to say, as you know, as a sector, we tend to, to be 
I'm going to say slow to change, but we're not the fastest conservative to change. You know, we like to make sure things are going to be right before we change. Uh, We want to make sure somebody else did it first. Right. We don't ever want. But change is inevitable. And we've kind of learned that through COVID. We've learned we can change as an organization, as a sector. You know, when when the pandemic hit, as as water and wastewater operators, we we couldn't work from home, right? You know, a lot of our employees have to go out, have to be in the field, have to be at the treatment plant. Frontline workers. Frontline workers, essential workers. So, you know, it, adapting to that change and that difference and, and, and making sure we our voice was out there and we were being heard. Hey, look, we are essential workers. You know, you cannot have clean water without <laughs> without water and wastewater operators going to the plant and doing their job. So, you know, hopefully the pandemic has given us uh, uh, as WEF members and as a sector the ability to be more adaptable to change because I think constant change is inevitable at this point. Um, you know, I don't think we'll ever see, you know, say WEFTAC, I, I just don't see that ever being the same year in, year out moving forward. There's going to be some very mm-hmm. different changes every year as we adapt to new technologies, new ways to communicate, and new ways to network with each other. Great. Well, Amy, I really appreciate you being here uh, at the conference and sharing what's going on at the national level. I know in Virginia, we we always try to stay ahead of the curve and, and getting an update and seeing how we can be a part of that. Certainly, I do. Being on the House of Delegates, look forward to being a part of some of these initiatives going forward. Absolutely. And congratulations. I hear that y'all have uh, won a WEF award for Outstanding Member Association. So it's certainly evident here at your conference that y'all are a very engaged member association. And I appreciate the opportunity to come visit with y'all. Great. Well, thank you very much for talking with me today. Thank you. That was a helpful update from uh, Amy. Absolutely. Great conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was great. We appreciate uh, Kevin sitting down with her and providing an update. And Amy, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you traveling up from Louisiana, and we hope and pray for a speedy recovery in Louisiana and the folks there. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'd like to thank Amy Colleen um, and Kevin Wood for participating in today's podcast, you know, and, and they did it pretty quickly, right? It was a spur of the moment idea, um, and we really appreciate them coming on. So that's it for today's episode. If you like what you hear, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. If you're a VWA member and have an idea for an episode, please contact us at podcast at VWA.org. Thanks again for listening to The Straight Flush. Thanks, y'all. The Straight Flush is a proud production of the Virginia Water Environment Association and its members. This podcast is co-produced and edited by Ryan Hendricks and Evan Bowles, with theme music composed by Evan Bowles and art by Corey Bowles. The content contained in the podcast you just heard reflect the views and opinions of the podcast participants and do not reflect the views of the Virginia Water Environment Association or associated affiliates. The Straight Flush is presented for entertainment purposes only and is not intended to serve as a basis of any action or recommendation. Thanks for listening to The Straight Flush.